Hi, my name is Kel, and I want to welcome you to Lifeline Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We're a church committed to inspiring people to follow Jesus further. We believe that everything in Scripture points to Jesus, and no matter where you are in life, we believe everyone can find Him. And when we do, He leads us to a life that thrives. I hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Take care. So, as Kel said, uh, my name is Colson Eaton. I'm one of the youth volunteers here at Lifeline. I've been involved with that for about going on 10 years now, um, somewhere around there. Um, so, I am the Gen Z replacement, and they got to fill in for the good-looking millennial you are used to seeing. Um, so, yesterday we had our youth um, end-of-the-year hangout, and we were down at the beach all day, and I realized this morning that I forgot to put suntan lotion on. Um, and I got baked. And if you don't know stress, try looking after 20 teenagers at the lake for about four hours. You will have stress, I promise you. I, I went to go get a drink, and I turned around, there's three boys who had just downed like half a box of pizza each, swimming out to the buoy. Like, what are you doing? Local church gets sued by angry parents. So uh, um, I want to give a special shout out to all the guests that are here. We're so grateful that you're here with us. I've seen a number of guests and new faces, and I just want to give a, a special welcome um, to you guys. Um, so we're in the middle of a series called One Hit Wonders, and basically we've been looking at you know, some of those things in our lives that we'd like to get right you know, more than just once, you know, once a week, even once a day. Um, you know, things that we don't want to do as much, things like greed, anger, lust, jealousy, um, and things that we do want to do more of, things like patience and peace and um, love. And, um, you know, things that we long for victory over and, um, and how to overcome them. Um, and maybe it's something that we've been struggling with for, you know, for years and just never seem to quite get victory over it, right? We do good for a while and then we just kind of find ourselves slipping back down um, into our old ways. And, and if, um, if I'm being honest with you guys, what we're talking about today is something that I personally have struggled with, um, you know, for a long time, pretty much my whole Christian walk. And sometimes it can be embarrassing as Christians, right, when we struggle with, you know, fruits of the Spirit and things that are uh, specifically laid out in the Bible for us to, to have victory over. And, you know, even though I was, you know, born and raised in a Christian household and, you know, grew up a Christian and, um, you know, growing up trying to do and say the right things as a good little Christian boy should, right, I still find myself struggling with it. Um, and that's trust. And um, just... Just trusting fully and completely that God has a plan for my life, that I matter, that I was put here for a reason, and that you know something that I have to offer can bless um, bless others. And, and as I think about why I struggle with that, um, it really comes down to control, right? I like to control my will for my life. I like to know the future, the future that I want. I like to be able to be the one in control. And when I'm not, I have a hard time trusting um, that God does. And I don't think I'm the only one that struggles with that. I think many Christians do. And if I am, then I guess I'll be talking to myself the whole day. Um, but I don't think that's the case. And as humans, we like to think and have everybody else think that we have it all under control, right? That we don't need anyone. I'm fine. I've got a plan. I've got my own resources. I've got my own little ways of doing things. I don't need anyone else. And talking to the men in the room, this is a major stepping on of toes, I feel like. Because as men, we're supposed to have it all together, right? We don't want to look vulnerable. We don't want to look weak. What kind of man are you if you look weak, if you need somebody else, right? Fake it till you make it. We've heard that many times. 
How am I supposed to put my trust in a God I can't see when I can't even trust the people I can? Or maybe I can count on one hand the amount of people that I can trust. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. If you go into any boomer household, you probably have a 75% chance or better of seeing this verse somewhere on the wall, right? I mean, we've all seen them. They have the little cutesy little thing hanging up. And, and a lot of times, honestly, in my experience, it's in the bathroom. I don't know why. Like, you're sitting there, you know, kind of doing your business, and you get a motivational speech while you're there. Um, or, you know, it's somewhere else. Wherever the latest Instagram or Pinterest trends are, that's probably where it'll be. Um, but I love how the verse says, declared. I declare this for you. I declare this over your life. You are mine, and I have a plan for you. If you would only stop being so stubborn and submit. But at the end of the day, life still happens, right? It's, it's great to talk about all these things and to, to read the verses and, and um, you know, stuff like that. But Monday morning still comes after church, right? Your problems are still going to roll in when you pull into your work parking lot or the PTA because your kid's acting up. That was my mom on more than one occasion. Um, I love God and I believe in God, but I still fo- feel so uneasy about the future, Right? When you look around, there's a lot to feel uneasy about. I think even just, you know, as I was a kid, you know, even these, these kids up here um, are awesome youth guys. You know, I was 2016 when I was their age. And even between 2016 and now, it's amazing, you know, the uneasiness and the unrest in our country. And, and that's why I feel like it's so important to establish this trust and to establish that, you know what, God is good and that we are all on the winning team and that, you know what, it's going to be all right. So often I find it so easy to start playing the what if game. And I'm sure just by me saying that, several things start popping into your mind. But what if the wrong person gets elected, whoever that may be, for you? What if I lose my job? How will my family get by? What if my car breaks down? I don't have the money to fix it. Or what if I get sick? Or worse yet, what if one of my kids or my wife gets sick? Right? And the list goes on and on. There's so many rabbit holes that you can go down and paths that you can take. And all of a sudden that worry and fear which ultimately leads to anxiety and depression, starts building up. And anxiety and depression and mental health is you know, several things that have become um, just horrible in today's society. And I believe because most people have no hope or anything to trust or cling to as their source of security. Right? God, I want to trust you, but it's hard to trust in a God I can't see. I can see when my bank account goes down. I can see when an eviction notice is on my front door. I can hear when that horrible noise is coming from my truck that I just turn the radio up even louder, pretend it's not there, because I don't have the money to fix it, right? Or maybe we have prayed, and we have fasted, and we have done the things that we thought we were supposed to be doing. We were pumped. We were like, man, God is going to come through. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. And we were praying and reading the word and doing what we thought were the right things, and it just did not happen the way we saw it happening. Keywords being, being we saw We still wanted the control. We wanted it done the way we thought it should be done. And it's a natural thing to think like this as humans, right? You think doing the right things, you get the right answer, right? But God says, no, it takes trust and it takes obedience and it takes a faith in me. So how does God want us to trust him? What does a healthy trust in God look like? Luckily for us, we have a Bible that is filled with stories, stories upon stories. People just like us who struggled, They needed miracles. They needed God. Listen, I need you. I need you to literally make this fleece wet one morning and fleece dry another morning, right? Tons of stories like this. We're not the only ones that struggled with. People have struggled with this throughout 
you know, the whole length of the Bible until now. Um, but we're going to look at a story from Luke um, chapter 5. And, and to give some context, this is when Jesus is calling his first disciples. And as Jesus, he is standing by this lake called the Lake of uh, Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee. That's it right there. Um, and he's teaching to a crowd that have kind of come up on the shores. And, and it's the end of a very hard day for some of the local fishermen, right? They've been out all night. They've been working hard and you know, doing what they normally do, but not having the results that they normally had. And so this crowd starts getting bigger, and Jesus is like, hey, you know, you've got this boat right here. You know, it's out. You just got back. You mind have taken me out into this, the water so the crowd can see me and the, they can hear me. Um, um, his name, the name of the guy who owned the boat was Simon Peter, and he does. He takes him out, and Jesus is teaching to a crowd um, who's on the shore. And, um, you know, I like to kind of look at how the scenario would be playing out with like how the attitude of Simon and his buddies would be, right? It's a long day. You know, you just packed up your tools. You can think about this. You just packed up your tools, had the worst day of work ever. It's hot. It does not look very nice being around there, right? And then someone wants a favor. Hey, can you stay for several more hours yet? Like, I wouldn't be in a good mood. And so I can just kind of imagine them, you know, sitting in the boat waiting for this guy. Like, how long are you going to take? Whispering to their buddies, yeah, right, you know, can't wait to go home and drown my sorrows in some camel's milk or whatever it is they were drinking, right? But we can relate to that because that's something that we've struggled with, or I know I certainly have. And so here's where we pick up um, in Luke uh, 5, verse 4. It says this, when he had finished speaking, Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. And notice Jesus, didn't say, Jesus doesn't say, so we can fish. He says, so we can catch. He already knew what he was going to bless him with. He just needed a little obedience out of him. And so we, we see here, not only did Simon let Jesus hop aboard his boat after a long day's work, but now, um, but now Jesus is essentially telling him how to do his job, right? Something that makes no sense whatsoever. Like, you know, you can see Simon, he, in the later verses, tries to be polite, but at the same time kind of giving the impression that, you know, I really don't want to be doing this. It's like me going up to a doctor and saying, you know, I know what you're doing, but try using this steak knife for your next procedure and how that works out. See how that works out for you. Like, that's kind of how this would have looked to Simon and the rest of the fishermen. Like, Rabbi, you teach, you know, you do the things a rabbi is supposed to do, and you let me fish. Who are you standing on my boat, taking up my time to try and tell me how to fish? But how many times in our lives does God ask, to, God ask us to do something that just doesn't make any sense? Right? Oftentimes when God invites us to trust in Him, it's uncomfortable. It makes us look weird. We live in a culture where we like to we live in a culture of image. We like to look the right part. Right? It's confusing. We don't like to be confused. It makes us feel uncomfortable. We like to be comfortable. Right? We read in scripture, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, Matthew seven thirty four. And it's really easy to quote this to somebody else. I find that, you know, quoting some of these, you know, picture frame Bible verses um, are really easy to say to somebody. But when someone else turns around and says it to me, I have a really hard time digesting it and truly believing it. This doesn't make sense to me right now, God. Don't worry about tomorrow. Yeah, right. Someone has to. And the Bible, you know, the, the Bible is full of verses like this that really, if we take them to heart, would truly change our lives. Another one, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's a tough one. But it's a very quotable one, right? Well, you just don't know the people I have to work with at work when I get there. Or, or you know, the guy at the gym, he is literally just the worst. You know, I just, whatever it is, I don't know, whatever you guys are into. 
Um, you know, the mother-in-law of mine, who I just cannot stand. I've heard those can be brutal. So if you're a mother-in-law in here, maybe, you know, step it up. You're probably a good one. I'm sure all the ones in here are good ones, but... Um, Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Well, fine, but if I don't lean on my understanding, my bills might not get paid this month, right? What you're asking me to do sounds completely unreasonable. I want to trust in you, but you've got to give me something. You've got to help a brother out, honestly. I can't see you and I can't always feel you. How do you expect me to not lean on my understanding? By faith and simple obedience, Simon lists down the nets. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, right? But then he says, or because you say so, I will let down the nets. And honestly, it's probably not one of their best fishing holes. He probably did the bare minimum. They're in shallow water. He's out there teaching in a the crowd. They're hot. They want to go home. Jesus is like, hey, put out in some deeper water. Okay, well, we'll go to the you know, bare minimum. I'm sure he didn't paddle to the other side of the lake where he's known to catch some fish. They probably just put out, you know, all these other boats are watching them. Isn't this the boat that came back completely empty? You know, they didn't catch anything. They've been sitting there with a rabbi standing in the middle of their boat for three hours or however long it was. But because Jesus asked him to, he obeyed. He put his faith into action. So you don't have to completely understand, you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You don't have to know the end of the story to turn the first page in the book. A lot of times when we think trust in God, we tend to think of the big things, right? You know, move away to a new city, become a missionary, which is amazing, right? That's incredible um, what Ryan and Melissa are doing. Yes, I got it. Um, you know, that's amazing. And maybe that is something, but. You know, maybe that is the case for you. But to really and truly grow in our faith and begin to trust in God completely, it starts with trusting Him in the smallest of ways. Sometimes the smaller acts of obedience and faith lead to the biggest results and the biggest blessings and the biggest miracles. So how do we grow in our trust? Well, sometimes we just have to get clingy. And dating, maybe it's not a great idea. But when it comes to God, sometimes we just have to say, God, I need you. I need you every day, every hour. I am clinging to you, the rock and the horn of my salvation. And there's a, you know, a great Bible verse. In that same household we talked about earlier, there's this one, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. All your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. And if we truly take this verse to heart and make a daily effort to sub- submit to him in all we do, in all our ways, we will begin to know him, right? In all your ways, we begin to grow the same way with a relationship. You're not going to know somebody if you don't spend time with them, right? You're not just going to wake up one day and say, hey, this guy's pretty cool if you're never with him. And when you know him in the good times, then you can trust him in the bad times. So how do you know God? How do you know him intimately? You trust him. You walk with him. And the only way we can do this is to be close to him, to cling to him. At the uh, beginning of this verse is the word trust. And trust translated into Hebrew is the word bata. Sounds like a northerner trying to say butter. Um, Bata. Um, But it means so much more than just our English version of the word trust. It's to to have confidence in or to be confident, to be bold or to be secure. And not one of these definitions is something that you just give to someone on a whim, right? That one day you're just like, I bought to you, bro. Like, yeah, I know you. Like, I, I know you got my back, right? It doesn't happen. Your best friends in life, well, you would trust them with your life. Why? Because you've grown your whole life with them. You know what makes them tick. You know, um, you know them. And how do we get to know God? We cling to him. 
we get to know him more and more every day. So when we know him in the good times, we can trust him in the bad. In order to cling to God, you have to let go of whatever it is you were previously clinging to. In order to trust in him, you lean not on your own understanding. And why does this seem unfair? Because I don't know about you, but letting go of my own understanding, my own plans, my own desires, my own will, my own strategy, my own place of comfort, it's really hard to do. It's a lot easier said than done, like many things are. But where does that leave us? Well, it leads us with plenty of strength to cling to God when we're not holding on to the things that we want. Instead of clinging to our, to our will for our lives, we cling to the promises of God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says it like this. For I know the plans I have for you. Again, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. What a promise that is. Declares the Lord. He is declaring it over your life. Plans to give you hope and a future. For me, the future, I am future oriented. Right now, I do a very poor job of living in the now. I, I tend to look in the future and like, where am I going? What's, you know, whether it's, you know, with my work or, you know, things I'm trying to do on my own or relationships or family or, you know, whatever it is, I'm always looking in the future. And so that promise right there uh, means a lot personally to me. Um, but because I trust you, God, I will let down the nets. And the good news is outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. Jesus tells Simon, put down the net. Simon says, I trust you, so I will, even though this seems absolutely ridiculous to me. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their, to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled, the boats, filled both boats so full that they began to sink. The beauty of putting our trust in Jesus and relying on his goodness and his grace is that when we are obedient, it oftentimes spills over and blesses those around us. It's not just about us all the time. It's about what God's wanting to do through, to other people through us. Like the other fishermen who benefited from Simon, the ones that were probably looking at him like, what are these guys doing? The ones that doubted, the ones that were like, why is he listening to this rabbi that no one really knows about right now? Well, look what it did for them. It also shows us that when we get something from Jesus, it's not the bare minimum. It's more than we could ever imagine. Jesus made a statement here. He said, hey, it took a lot for you to trust me in this scenario. Look what I'm willing to bless you with. It's not just, oh yeah, you threw down the nets and caught a couple of fish. Well, that's more than you caught all night. You know, he could have probably bragged about that. Like, you know, no, it was something they had never seen before. Something that probably seemed pretty unimaginable to them. Their nets literally breaking because of the blessings that he had put, um, given them. And... Um, so I have, a, I have a video that I'm going to play, and I wasn't planning on, having, uh, on playing it until I seen it. Someone on Facebook shared it um, Thursday, and so that's when I kind of threw it in here. It's a little bit longer. Um, it's like seven minutes, but your lunch can wait. Um, it's really good. Listen to the words and, and listen. It's Like I said, it's about seven minutes, and it's a little bit longer. Um, but it really, if you didn't get anything from me just talking, listen to this guy and kind of this story slash analogy that he's telling, it's, it's really Incredible, and I thought it was, so that's why I included it. So you can go ahead and play it. Doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. The pastor came up, and he said, "Listen, I can save you money." I said, "How's that?" He said, "I flew a small airplane up here." And I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. 
He said, no, 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 you got to do it, you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going <laughs> to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello, don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, Tell, we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. 
He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747s, started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices. And everybody in this world wants to talk to you. And everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice holy.